Are you a self-publishing author? Do you already have an editor in mind or are you looking for an editor? Well, today's guest is an expert in the editing world and she's providing information you want to know before you sign on the dotted line. So don't go anywhere, stick around. Your best writing life begins right now. Welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from writing and publishing industry experts to help you excel in your craft. I am so very glad that you're listening in. During this episode, you'll learn the five questions to ask an editor before signing a contract. My industry expert is Deborah Butterfield. Deborah is the author of 10 books, which include Claiming Her Inheritance, Discovering Her Inheritance, Unshakable Faith, and Carried by Grace, a Guide for Mothers of Victims of Sexual Abuse. She is a freelance editor and editorial director for Cross River Media Group and a former copywriter for Focus on the Family. Deborah, it is so good to have you here on Your Best Writing Life. It's great to be here, Linda. All right. Well, we're going to get down to business because editing is big business today, Deborah. And if we don't have our product edited correctly, we can be in a world of hurt. So you're ready. I'm ready. You have the five questions that we need to ask an editor before signing a contract. So what is question number one? Question number one would be, how does your faith influence your editing? And this might just be strictly personal. I don't know. But as a Christian writer, I want to know that the person editing my book is also Christian and how her faith is going to impact while she's editing. Number one, her faith is going to help spot errors, perhaps, in my writing, you know, right, maybe, right. maybe I had, maybe I had the wrong name on the brain and I wrote that Aaron parted the Red Sea instead of Moses. Those brothers, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, a Christian editor is going to catch an error like that. Whereas someone who is outside of the faith that would just pass right by, even though factual accuracy is the responsibility of the author an editor will be flagging things that they see that seem wrong factually. Mm. So additionally, an editor of the same faith is going to be able to make suggestions that can biblically strengthen your manuscript as well. It's, it's probably much more important to have a Christian editor in nonfiction than fiction, but at the same time, I write both fiction and nonfiction. Mm -hmm. I still want a Christian editor editing my fiction because I do put Christian principles in the book and I don't want to represent them in the wrong way. And someone of the same faith is going to catch that kind of an error. Those are excellent points. If someone is knowledgeable in your faith, they're also going to be resonating with you. And being of one mind, one spirit, one heart, 
and knowing that the individual has the Holy Spirit in them, right? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is that third cord or third thread in the cord. And to have the confidence in the person editing your book to be knowledgeable. So first question, how does your faith influence your editing? I'm good with that. And number two, you, you say, we need to ask them, what genre do you specialize in? And so share with us the importance of that. The importance of that is the fact that there are so many genres out there right now. And you have subgenres, and I mean, they niche it clear down. <clears throat> no one editor can know everything about every genre. And every genre, you know, romance is a good example. Boy meets girl, you know, they fall in love, then, then something breaks them apart and then they get back together. Readers expect certain elements in the books they read. <clears throat> if your editor is not familiar and knowledgeable in the genre that you're writing in, you could have an, one, two, maybe even three elements missing from your manuscript <clears throat> that readers will expect to see. So just like a doctor, I mean, yes, we have GPs out there, but how many more doctors specialize? So most editors are pretty much the same way where they will uh, edit specific genres and not others. You know, I don't do science fiction. I do not do horror. I don't do children's. It's because I don't know enough about them. I would have to study them and learn them before I would take them on. And that's why it's important to ask what genres they specialize in so that you know you are getting somebody that's knowledgeable with all of the elements and tropes that readers expect from your book. Oh, that's perfect. And I would, I would think that if I'm looking at an editor and they're working in my genre, wouldn't it be okay for me to say, what books have you edited? I want to go take a look at the book, right? Yes. So, yeah. because we have the ability to do that. And if I'm going to invest my finances in someone, I would like to see their end product. So I'm not, I'm not rubbing someone the wrong way. If I ask, it's kind of like, you know, can you give me some testimonies here? Would that be right? That would be perfectly fine. Um, in all, and in all honesty, I've never had anyone ask me that, but it's a very viable question, very legitimate question to ask. Hey, let me see some of your work. That way too, it's going to give me more confidence in the editor. And I'm going to go, you know what, if the editor could, can do this with this particular manuscript or this genre, man, I could see how this editor would work well with me. So it's kind of like kicking the tires on a car before you go in to buy. So I like that. Yeah. And well, I was going to say there's also a certain amount of personality that enters in as well. I think editors are probably very detailed and organized people and meeting one-on-one -on -one like we're doing right now is something right. that I do recommend just so you can get a feel for each other and, and get to know each other. And in that even though we're not physically in the same room, you can still get a feel for, does she have a personality that I'm going to be able to comfortably work with? Hmm. And I'm going to toss in there the he as well, 
because yes. we know there's a lot of guy editors that are out there. So, you know, we're going to, what kind of pronouns we're using here? All right. He, she, they, whatever. Okay. But, but recognizing that personalities, you know, I'm a personality person here. So personalities are rank high. You can have someone who is a great editor, but if you don't even come close in the ballpark of being able to be comfortable with one another, it could prove to be a challenge. So that's most excellent. Meet them, see them, get on a Zoom with them, get on a call with them, discover a little more about them before you uh, drop a dime, so to speak. All right, so... (laughs) well today it's a quarter okay so if when we're talking about editing fees then that's a question you say don't him (laughs) all around ask him what are your editing fees definitely and editing fees oh my goodness they vary so much linda and you have different types of editing as well. You have developmental editing, you have content editing, you have line editing, and each of those forms of editing can charge a different rate. Editors may charge by the word, they may charge by the hour, some may even charge by the project. So it's Mm -hmm. very important to ask this question so that you know yeah, is it is it in the ballpark of what I can afford? I think it's very important that writers do enough research that they actually understand what the ballpark numbers are. And I often just, you know, to keep updated on what prices are like around the nation, I will go to the Editorial Freelancers Association website okay. because they they have a resource it's a free resource you don't have to belong to gain access to the resource it's it's rates and it gives the per word and per hour typical high to low average rates for each of these items for editing as well as for um book layout and such so um i have um, giving you that link so that you can put that in the show notes. It's an excellent place for writers to go to and check prices. The writer's market guide also has a section in their book that covers average prices, high, medium, low. I always advise writers to check those out so that when they're talking to somebody, they know whether that rate is way too low or it's way too high or if it's in the ballpark of what most charge. Uh, It's just due diligence is really what I would call it. Sure. And talking about fees, talking about rates, is the highest always the best and the lowest (laughs) the worst? Or, you know, we always hear, well, you're going to get what you pay for. Um, how do I differentiate between knowing what would be my best fit? Well, this person is really low, but they're within my budget. Well, what if my budget isn't high enough? And I think it would behoove me to don't necessarily get it done yet. Then step back, see if you can self edit a little bit of stuff and start putting money away, but at least you're getting an idea of what a quality editor would would cost or 
Do we just jump in because they happen to fit our fees? I wouldn't do that. I would actually do what I can to do a little bit of research about the editors that I've worked with. Like you mentioned earlier, check out books that they've edited. I'm always concerned about those really low prices because you'll find those really low prices from people that are abroad, you know, oh, not yeah. living in America. So now you've got, okay, is English a second language? I've actually gotten manuscripts from people who said this has already been edited by a professional editor, and it was just riddled with basic English grammar mistakes. And I cringe when I get those because I know the writer's been scammed. They paid for something that they did not get. But the same goes for the high rate. I mean, you could have somebody out there that's charging for the, the highest rate there is. Well, if you've never heard of this person, then I would seriously question it. You know, if Jerry Jenkins decided he wanted to start editing and he took on editing jobs, I would expect the high end of per word rate from Jerry Jenkins because he has established experience right. and credibility in the industry. Whereas somebody who's charging 10 cents per word or 20 cents per word and hasn't written any books and you can't find anything out there, uh, they can't offer, well, I edited this book, this book, this book, da, 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 then, then I would question and like you mentioned, step back, give yourself a little more time, set money aside, learn more about the self-editing and make your manuscript as clean as possible. Because then that way there's, you know, if, if an editor is charging by the hour, the cleaner your manuscript is, the less time it's going to take that, that editor to edit. So the more that you can do to make your manuscript as clean as possible, the better. And it is. And you're also learning more about your skill or about your craft. Pardon me. Is if you can learn some of the techniques of self-editing, then the more you use them, the, they become second nature. So you begin to edit as you write. And, you know, that that's the goal that we all would like to achieve is to be able to look in and go as you're going through and going, nope, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this and move, move forward with that. So let me ask you, I'm going to kind of put you on the uh, hot seat here just a little bit, not, not too steamy or anything. <laughs> um, but what if, what if there is a new editor entering into and maybe we have some individuals that are listening and they're wanting to come into the field of editing and they're like, I can edit well. I just don't have 10, 20 books out on the shelf that I could say to someone, hey, take a look at that book. Is it, I mean, they need a break-in book or two or four or 10 to get into the industry. How do they set their fees or what would be something that you might suggest to them? Because once they get a few books out, then they have something to show somebody. Mm -hmm. How would they start that process? Start the process of setting their fees? Of setting their fees or getting a book to edit if they've not edited anyone's book before. Well, with setting their fees, a lot of that has to do with 
where you live, of course, and you said, I need to earn this much per hour, um, definitely I would be sending them to the EFA website to look at the rates. Um, That's true. When I've not done something for the, you know, for the first time, I tend to then charge on the lower scale as far as my editing rate would be. Now, you could, to gain those jobs, it would just be a matter of honesty. Like we're, you know, I'm saying meet with this person. If that person is up front and say, I'm brand new to this, but here's my credentials or you know, surely they would have some kind of background, something, you know, yeah. something that, that would say that would say I'm a good editor. Um, <clears throat> then they can just be honest and upfront about it. Um, and there's always a negotiation. I mean, I'm always willing to negotiate price because I know that most writers have no clue that it's going to cost probably over a thousand dollars or more to edit their novel. So I definitely leave room for that negotiation and that same brand new editor can also hopefully do something similar. She can reach out to writers that she knows or he knows, he or she, and say, hey, I'm starting this editing business, would love to be able to edit your next book. Um, right. So, you know, reach out to people that they already know are writers and feel comfortable that it would be a good fit. Oh, that's a and that's a great tip because we want to promote the industry, but and in the same breath, we want it to be editors of expertise. And you can go through a lot of courses. There's a lot of training in in the industry. Really, it's getting hands on, similar to audiobooks. I narrate audiobooks. Well the first couple times that you do it, you have no idea how much work it is until you actually do it. That's then when you want to go, well, my rates are going up because that's just crazy. And, but it's the same with editing, knowing that there is a, a, an average that's out there and not to charge well beyond. What's really good is if you charge a fair fee you produce an excellent product, they're going to tell someone who's going to tell someone who's going to tell someone. And then you're going to have, how do you know when to raise your fee? When you have more clients than you have time. Right. Then pump that fee. Right. And there are all, also, there are websites where like the Christian pen is one that I can think of off the top of my head that offers courses but then they offer the ability to take a test and be vetted as an editor and listed on their website. So nice. Christian writers would be going to the website, they're looking for an editors and there's your name. That would really be a wonderful way for a beginning editor to start would be to find those websites that vet their editors and, um, it's kind of like a distribution center, so to speak. So. Oh, and that's then that's really good. And we're going to have the um, we will have their link also in the show notes, so you'll be able to find the Christian pen there and be able to research that as well. That's excellent. All right, now question number four: What are we supposed to ask? When can I expect a finished product? 
really? We can ask that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we're laughing at that, but you know what? Very few actually do ask that. I'm often the one that is asking the question because I've learned the hard way. I've had somebody hire me to do an editing and then a week or so into the project, they'll say, well, I wanted to put this up on the website by the holidays, you know, and here it is November, right? And and so I'm I'm left in the boat of, do I say, I cannot meet that deadline and you're going to have to let that deadline go, or do I try to meet that deadline? But that's what it's all about. You want to know how long it's going to take for that editor to finish your project. I mean, you don't want it to last six months. Um, well, certainly. I mean, and I guess if your your book is 250,000 words, it might take that long. But you want to have kind of a good idea of how long the editor expects it will take them to edit so that you know how to set your timeline. So because you've got a book cover that needs done, you have book layout that needs done, and maybe you've already decided, I want to publish this book in a certain month because um, there's something happening in that month that fits with your book, you know, so like June for D-Day, you know, maybe you're writing a World War II story or something. There's some kind of activity in a specific month that correlates with your book that you want to market. You want to marry those two. So you want to make sure that the editor can meet the timeline that you've established for yourself. And does an editor, would they be asking the author for a sampling of their manuscript so they can tell what it is that they're working with to be able to say, oh, I'll have it done by this time based on word count alone. I would think that would be a little challenging. Do you ever take a look at what it is that you're going to work with? I used to offer a sample edit initially uh, when I first started out for that very reason. Hmm. And I kind of learned there again, I learned the hard way because traditional publishing requires the first three chapters as a sample in the book proposal. Most writers will have those first three chapters as polished as possible. And I was doing a sample edit on the first chapter. And then I would, and I would think, okay, this is going to take me about this many hours to do the project. But when I got the whole manuscript and I got past chapter three or even past chapter one and it just fell apart and I discovered I was having to spend way more time on it than I anticipated. Hmm. So um, it doesn't hurt to ask for uh, a sample. Most often it's the other way around where the author is asking, will you do a sample edit so I can see what your style is like? And I have no problem with that. Most editors don't have a problem with doing that. Some will do it for free. Some will charge. And I do want to um, emphasize, don't be afraid to pay for that time. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how the editor is making their living. And if they're doing 10 sample edits a week, that that's 10 hours possibly out of their week that they're not being paid for if they're doing these free. So Mm -hmm. 
it's not unusual for an editor to say, you will have to pay me for that sample edit. And as an editor, I would say, all right, especially, you know, if it's a novel, right? Give me some from chapter one, and then I want some from chapter seven. I want to see what it is that I'm looking at. Then I'm going to give you a clean estimate of how much time it's going to take me because going in or it, even saying that, right? If you ask how long will it take for the finished product, an editor worth their salt will say, depends on what I'm working with. And I can look at your sample and I can see how much time it's going to take me with that. But if the others don't match up, if they're not edited to the same, then it may take longer. And I've got to be okay with that as well as the author, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. All right, then number five, how often will we communicate once I'm your client? Such a great question. <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah. Well, and there again, that's going to vary with the editor and the personality of the editor. I think a sub-question to that would be, how do you like to communicate? Because there are people who much prefer email, which is a, that's me. Um, there are those who prefer text. Ask, is it okay to call you? So learn how they like to communicate and then communicate in that way. Um, personally, I always try to answer within 24 to 48 hours, whether it's a voicemail because they've had something urgent, or if it's an email, 24 to 48 business hours. Because I feel that if an author is communicating something to me, it's because they generally they have a question. And what good is it what can the author do if it's weeks before they get an answer to their question? Mm. So I really feel that it's very important for editors to be very open about how often they communicate. And no, I don't want to get five emails from the same person in the same day, you know, put it all in one email. So just be considerate. I mean, right. think about how would you like to be inundated with five or 10 or 15 emails in one day? And just, yeah, I mean, just kind of the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. Um, but open, there has to be open communication as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it, it just is not a working relationship if there isn't open communication that is responsive in a reasonable amount of time. And all of these, all of the answers to the questions that we've asked here need to be written in the contract. So the contract will say, and this is our estimated uh, time frame, and this is the fee, and this is this. And even with the communication, when, golly, earlier in my I don't want to say my hunger days, but it was kind of like that, right? We're like, no, it does, I don't care if it's Sunday at this time, I'll stop and answer this or do this. It's respect the, the worker and don't send emails and all of this on the weekend. Or now with some, in some cases, 
you know, I, I want to know, am, is this person going to be working on the weekend? Are they available on Saturdays? Are they not available on set? You know, when does their, when does their day end? And if I send an email, because I'm someone who, if I'm thinking of something or I have a deadline, I'm going to send it when it's ready. I don't want you to talk to me until Monday. And I will probably put in there, Hey, I'm sending this now. I don't expect to hear back from you until Monday. Don't worry about it. I just needed to, to get it off of my plate. Is that an appropriate interaction with uh, the editor? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. And I'm the same way, Linda. If I think of something and it's midnight on Saturday, I will sit down and dash off that email because I know if I don't that it gets it'll get forgotten. And yet I realize it's Saturday night. I'm not going to hear back until Monday. I don't expect to hear back until Monday. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's very reasonable. Good, good, good. Well, you have given us the five questions and more. So this has been great. And we do have the links in the show notes and you have a final word for our listeners. How would you encourage them? I would encourage them to not get in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually that's a tidbit I heard from another podcast earlier this week Because you can be so excited about doing something and then just jump into the first editor that you talk to, and it might be the completely wrong editor. So give yourself time to consider more than one and prayerfully consider each one. Seek the Lord as far as which one of these people do I hire, if any of them. Mm. And um, just take a deep breath and know that it will get done and it will get done right as long as you take the time and seek the Lord. Very good. Take your time. Don't jump in. God doesn't push things through. He has a path. And yeah. I tend to jump into the it. deep end in a lot of things and boy, oh boy, that is not the way to do it. It's not. Just <laughs> looking around going, where's my floaties? Where's my floaties? <laughs> Well, I know that you have a, a great um, giveaway for our listeners. Tell them what they're going to have access to. They will have access to either of one of two checklists. I have a checklist for self-editing fiction, and then I also offer a checklist for self-editing nonfiction. And those are both available um, at my website, themotivationaleditor.com. And I love the name of that website, The Motivational Editor. What do you think you're going to get there, folks? I'm just saying, that's what you're going to get. And I'm going to give a shout out about your book, Deborah. You have self-editing and publishing tips for the indie author. And this is a great book. It's not a difficult read. I highly recommend. We do have the link in our show note. And anytime that we can make available the tools that's going to help our writers. We want to be able to do that. So I'm so glad you wrote it and you have several books out there as well. And folks, you're going to find her, uh, Deborah, D-E-B-R-A Butterfield. And Deborah, it's been a blast having you here. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Linda. I'm always glad to be able to share what I know with other writers. Pay it forward. There it is. 
pay it forward. That way we can put out in the world what it is that God has designed us to do. And if it's in the area of writing, we do want it to be writing of excellence, don't we? And that means we're going to need to have editors and the right editor is going to be the best fit. So we're going to be asking the questions. You're going to be getting answers, folks. And then you can let us know, are there other questions that maybe you've been asked as an editor? Are there questions that you're wondering, is it okay to ask an editor this? (laughs) Talk to us, ask us, join us in our Facebook group. We'd love to be able to answer those questions for you as well. So it's been a blast having Deborah here. And thank you, my friends, for joining us. And take a moment, if you would, and share this podcast with another writer or two. Give us a star rating, post an episode review. We greatly appreciate that. Hit the subscribe button or the follow button on your podcasting platform. That way you won't ever miss an episode that we have. I greatly appreciate everything you have to say about your best writing life. And I deeply appreciate all you choose to write for the kingdom. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on your best writing life. See you. Thank you.